0: really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello everyone. Welcome to another week of spiritual shit. Obviously hope that you had a good week. I'm catching up with you guys and this month is almost over. That happened really, really fast. But today our episode is with Christine Ramos and it's, an, it's such an interesting topic that we're talking about because we're talking about children and souls coming in and um, essentially volunteering for Earth School and what their process and progress is when you decide to become a portal for allowing those children to come through. And it's, I want to just warn everyone who is listening that we do talk very much about pregnancy and infertility and miscarriage and also birth. And so if there is anything traumatic that uh, you have experienced that would bluff up those feathers, if you will, I just wanted to let you know ahead of time, uh, we do get very intense with this particular discussion. So trigger warning everyone who is listening but I will say it was a really great episode and what came out of it was um, I think really beautiful realization about how uh, Christine's interpretation of how souls come in and how they exist within us and then outside of us and how we can be better stewards of the souls that we're bringing into this this world. So if that's something you're interested in and not triggered by, continue to listen. Uh, We have a few announcements. Our monthly workshop is March 6th, uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. CST. We're talking about how to protect your energy through ritual, through crystals, through um, certain uh, practices and so on. And so if that's something you're interested in, go to patreon.com slash thelovelyly and become a $10 member. Our mystery school I've gotten some questions for is basically sold out. And so we won't be opening that up probably for another few months. I'm in the middle of building infrastructure for that program, and I'm really excited because there's just so much happening there. Where people are starting to learn more about their gifts, they're starting to practice, and starting to even some some people are opening up their own businesses and becoming referrals for me uh, as I stop doing readings anymore, and I'm teaching others how to do them. So that's super cool, super cool. Uh, additionally. Uh, reminder, if you're following me on Instagram, I will never DM you for readings. And uh, I was like, I felt a little victory because we got some of those scammer accounts taken down. Finally, Instagram did something. So that was nice. Lastly, if you would like a tune up energetically, uh, I have a meditation album called T- tune <laughs> up uh, that will help you essentially uh, unblock areas in your energetic field through your chakras. I partnered with Josh Scholler on that with the music, and he's done a wonderful job and being able to bring in certain frequencies that allow the body to more easily let go of those things. So if uh, you are interested in a nice, soothing, guided meditation, you can go to the slash shop and find those there. Additionally, if you are looking for any workshops, you can go to spiritualshitschool.com. So Those are our announcements. Uh, Anything else, I'll just put in the show notes. But I am really, I'm so interested in what it is that we're talking to you about today. We did have a few technical difficulties with the recording because I had dropped my microphone uh, that day or so prior. So bear with a little bit of buzzing. What we get into is so, so, so deep. And then what we talk about in the after show as well over on Patreon, is something that I feel will be really expansive for a lot of people. So so let's get into the episode right now. Christine Ramos is a maternal child health registered nurse who has worked as a certified childbirth educator, certified doula, and internationally board certified lactation consultant. Prior to becoming an RN, Christine was a social worker for 10 years in the mental health field. In 1996, after having her second son, she felt called to work with mothers and babies. And soon afterward, she completed the 69 college credits needed to get a second bachelor's degree in nursing in one year. As a hospital RN, Christine worked with cardiac units before specializing in maternal child health. Ever since she can remember, Christine has been a physical, emotional, cognitive, and intuitive empath who can perceive the human energy field. The perception comes to her as sensations and in her own body. These abilities have led her on a path to search for the truth that has enabled her to make sense of what she's learned from her academic sources and what she can perceive on an extrasensory level that led her to write A Journey Into Being, knowing and nurturing our children as spirit. Truly a unique work, the manuscript garnered attention of the late Dolores Cannon, the pioneer of past life regression hypnosis, who then published her book through her own company. Christine masterfully blends science and spirituality when it comes to all things related to the arrival of new life. She also introduces the concept of intuitive nurturing, which is a set of methods to enhance an intuitive bond with your child starting from pregnancy. Christine's empathic abilities combined with her career experiences and education afford her with the insight that addresses the health of our child's minds, bodies, and souls. Please welcome Christine to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have Christine Ramos, who is a registered nurse, a certified childbirth educator, a doula, and has lots of intuitive gifts and abilities and background in spirituality, where she's able to connect to the birthing field, if you will. So we're talking a lot about childbirth and children and how they come into the world. We're so excited for this conversation. Christine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction.
0: Well, thank you for being here. It's something really interesting, given that I am a new mom, upon kind of thinking about the way in which children come in or souls come in, how they choose us, I believe, choose us as parents and all of our experiences around what we are here to do in our incarnation. The first I heard about you was through an interview with Dolores Cannon, who those listening are probably, some of you guys have heard of her before. The late Dolores Cannon, she had a lot of information being a regressionist where she would talk through people and their experiences. And I think we started talking about this maybe before I had my baby. So <laughs> with that, before we get into that, can you kind of talk to people about your background you know, that kind of got you into the space to begin with?
1: Okay. Well, professionally, I started my career careers because uh, I, I have two careers in my past. My first career was in social work, and I worked with those who had mental health and substance abuse challenges, and I did that for about a decade. And once I had my second child, I just fell in love with the field of mothers and babies and helping them. Hmm. So I actually had given birth with a midwife for my second and my third child. And I thought, hmm, maybe I can do something like this. I felt a calling to it. So I went back to school. I got my nursing degree after taking 69 credits in one year, which is insane. I did it and got my nursing degree. Immediately, I from nursing school, I started doing some cardiac nursing. But then as soon as I could, I got into maternal child health. I got my board certification for lactation consultant, certified doula, certified childbirth educator. On a personal level, I've always been an intuitive empath, an emotional empath, a physical empath. And to some degree, I'm also a mirror synesthet. Uh, I don't Mm. know if you you or your audience have heard of that. Yeah, please explain that for them. Yeah, a mirror synesthet is somebody who can feel the physical sensations that someone else is feeling. Mm. So because of this, I knew right away I couldn't do like trauma nursing or Mm. anything like that because I would be overwhelmed with this actual sensation of what somebody's going through physically. Yeah, And I grew up in a household of spiritualists and mediums. The environment was ripe for me, so to say. (laughs) Uh, And I practiced Eastern wisdom on on spirituality since, gosh, 13, 12, 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And I also practiced hands-on healing, a type that's specific for nurses. That's called therapeutic touch. Mm -hmm. So I could also perceive the human energy field. And uh, that was one of the inspirations for me writing the book, because I was able with my patients, because my patients were mothers and babies, and I was able to sense the energy field of both mother and baby, and Mm -hmm. how that shapes mothering, and how that shapes the child as the child grows. So that was another main catalyst for writing the book.
0: Mm -hmm. The book called Journey into Being?
1: Yes, Knowing Uh, and Nurturing Our Children as Spirit. Which I think is such an
0: interesting way to think about that. Um, You know, those of you who have had children or are pregnant, the the process of bringing a soul into this world is is not for the faint hearted. (laughs) At least I found out very easily. My process in pregnancy was so difficult. I had gestational diabetes. I had preeclampsia issues. I fell down the stairs. I just, everything like really bad nausea for 20 weeks. And it was it was so difficult. And I had a friend of mine who was like, Hey, a lot of this is kind of symbolizing your child's energy super strong. And he was talking about the nausea. And I was like, well, that's great, but I feel like I'm going to puke. So it was a lot of energy of like the whole pregnancy for me, I was really disconnected and being such a spiritual person. I thought I would have had more connection with her in the womb. I would have felt more, but I had so much fear around losing her. And that actually didn't, dissipate until about a month ago until she was about five months old the strong feeling of like okay i'm really really scared that i'm gonna lose her and so i was wondering you know like flipping through your book and then reading some other stuff i was like is there some past life that i remember with her is there something going on where i'm having this connection that i'm having this fear around the possibility of this soul being lost in one way or another a lot of things that i i heard you talk about in previous research is about death of children Which we'll get to. I don't want to like start with that (laughs) to turn everybody off and why that happens and why that shows up. But what is your philosophy about the way in which a soul chooses a parent and how it comes into this world, into this incarnation based on its previous experiences or based on its
1: now living life or plan? Mm -hmm. Great question. So I'm sure, as you know, and I'm sure your audience does also, we go through Lives, incarnations with soul groups, so to say. Mm. So, your child will have the strongest growth opportunity between you and your child. That's the strongest, because let's face it, there is no greater love, correct? Mm. So, what are we all here for? We're all here to grow and expand in love. That's the bottom line. Your child is giving you the greatest opportunity for that spiritual expansion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when we're about to incarnate we all know who's going to be in our lives who's going to be the parent that's going to be the most pivotal relationship that you're going to experience so it's kind of like uh, an agreement a contract so to say You know, nobody knows exactly what the turnout, obviously, because we all forget ourselves. Mm -hmm. We forget our true nature while we're here. That relationship that's going to give you the most significant spiritual growth. And so it's either for you or your partner.
0: Mm -hmm. So as you were talking about that, my first thought was for my friends who are having trouble with infertility. Mm-hmm. and when people say it's the greatest love that you could ever experience i remember before i i had a child and i was told by doctors i would not be able to carry a child or have all these issues or whatever and so when it did happen it was like man i felt very much so this soul was trying to come through there was nothing that was going to stop this soul from coming through for other people who are struggling with that is there any kind of reconciliation with that thought of that they would never experience
1: that that the greatest love that there is to be experienced It doesn't have, I say this in the book as well, it doesn't have to be a biological product Mm -hmm. of you. Okay. It is any child that's in your life that you have the most strongest feeling for. It could be a niece, a nephew, a younger cousin, even a sibling Mm. um, who is maybe significantly younger than you are. It's a child that's in a role where you have that maternal feeling for and that intense love. Mm -hmm. that's the type of things that are going to shape and really bolster your experience and expansion for love during this lifetime. So when the child comes in, are you able to communicate with the soul that's
0: coming in? Are you able to communicate with the baby? Are mothers, do they have the ability
1: to communicate with their unborn children? Yes. Great question. I tried to teach it as well as in the book and my patients as well, I try to teach them how to connect with their child themselves primarily. So if I may go through how I perceived how the incoming spirit is formed and um, yes. how it, it, the whole process is. So yeah. once conception occurs, We have the layer of the human energy field that's called the etheric layer. Mm -hmm. So the etheric layer is the layer that holds kind of like a blueprint of the developing fetus. That blueprint is where the dividing cells sort of make this matrix. And that's basically the only spiritual layer that's present during gestation, during pregnancy. The higher conscious levels of the spiritual energies are still they're still finer, higher, they have, they really don't need to be in the womb during the gestational period. Mm-hmm. When you're communicating with your child during pregnancy, you're communicating with those higher conscious levels of, of vibratory energy. Mm-hmm. And the way you can do that is simply by examining your dreams. Many women will get what they call a visitation dream Mm -hmm. from their child. And a lot of times this visitation dream, you know, women will look at it and say, oh, yeah, it it felt very real. It felt very vivid. And they don't recognize it as such, Mm -hmm. as being. You know, your child can come through, maybe not as the child, but maybe through the symbolism of somebody who you love in your life now. Mm-hmm. Maybe like your 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 sister or your brother, but you know that there's a different love there. Mm-hmm. And so, hmm, that's probably a visitation dream.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, you, what you can do is take what's called a it's a flower essence. I don't know if you or your audience have has heard. I literally have. I just heard of it today
0: really randomly yeah talk to me
1: about that that's so weird yes (laughs) yes flower essences are tinctures of the essence of a flower which is Mm -hmm. like distilled in this solution of there's a little bit of alcohol in it but at the levels that it's recommended so I think it's four drops under your tongue a day Mm -hmm. the level of alcohol is scant Um, But even if that's uncomfortable for you, what you could do is put it in your bath water. And the one in particular is called Mm Forget-Me-Not. So it's Forget-Me-Not Flower Essence. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, They have several brands. There's one that's called Bach. There's another one that's called the Flower Essence Society or FES. And they sell them on their websites. And those, what you could do is put, I believe it's 20 drops in your bath water, and you just kind of soak in it. When you're, you know, when you're done with your bath and you come out, you just lightly pat yourself dry so that you receive the essence of the flower. And what that's supposed to do is to strengthen the connection of the spiritual bonds that you may have with your child. Mm. And so that these perceptions can come a little bit easier for you. Mm. Um, You know, some of us don't meditate regularly, so it kind of helps that connection to come through.
0: It's interesting. uh, The idea of, first of all, the communication between uh, your, your spiritual child or unborn child or whatever, the connection to that child, the way that which the child transforms your body even, and the way in which we're having to essentially make space, right, for this entity to come kind of in presence. When I heard you talk a little bit about traumatic births, which we won't cover in great detail today, but I myself have had one in recognizing that maybe she wasn't ready to come out yet. (laughs) And so that feeling of being kind of in like modern medicine and how modern medicine works. Oh, the baby's going to be too big. Oh, this is going to happen. You know, like whatever. I more so went ahead with my doctor's recommendation because we had so many complications anyway mm-hmm. with the actual physical pregnancies. So do you have any insight to that for people who have may had a tumultuous pregnancy for a soul coming in? And then also for those who have experienced miscarriage in the purpose of like, Why does that happen? Why do we have the soul coming in only then to leave? Or is it, you know, like everybody's like, everything happens for a reason? And I don't actually believe that. But if there is some sense of that, like, what is your take on that? Okay, that's a loaded question. Super loaded. Sorry.
1: (laughs) No worries. Okay, so I'll address first the obstetrical part that you brought up. You know, doctors, they are very tied up in the biomechanics of birth okay they see themselves as the person who delivers this baby okay and it's a very medical thing to them first and foremost it's important for your audience to know that the baby initiates their birth okay it's not the mother it's not the obstetrician it's not the midwife it's the baby that initiates her own birth and so it happens through a biochemical process But spiritually, I believe it's also when the finer layers of the spirit finally merge with the physical body. Hmm. And when that happens is usually corresponds with the mother feels the nesting urge. Mm -hmm. So the mother senses the additional energy that's coming into her body and she perceives that as the nesting urge or the nesting instinct. And so what happens during the nesting instincts, right? You get the surge of energy. You want to make everything ready for the coming of your baby. You get the nursery ready. You get, you know, you put away the clothes, you get the crib done. You know, it's all of that extra energy to make room for the baby. Okay. So getting back to your the obstetricians, the obstetricians, you know, they see the body as a machine. They think all I need to do is tweak a little things here, give a little bit of Pitocin here, do this, do that, you know, soften the cervix, break the bag of waters, boom, you know, let's get this birth going. Unfortunately, what can happen when that occurs is that the baby not actually being ready to be born, what happens is subsequently more interventions need to be instituted. So perfect scenario that i saw many many times is pitocin drip the woman starts to contract now contractions are so severe she needs an epidural epidural then you know maybe two rounds of epidurals mm-hmm. uh, maybe by then labor has stalled and we need maybe even more pitocin then guess what now she she's been in labor for too long Cesarean section. Mm. So it—that's it what happened to me. Yeah, it's usual. Let me tell you, it's so common. It's so yeah. common, and a lot of times this could have been avoided simply by allowing certain cues to start already with the baby's birth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So some of the the cues that baby will give is obviously you know the bloody show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, bloody show means. Baby is starting the process of thinning out your cervix. And so you usually, you know, you'll lose your mucus plug. These are indications that, you know, baby is starting the process. If we bypass all of those steps, you're basically going against nature. I don't know how better to say it. Hmm. Um, And then intervention after intervention usually is needed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what many women find themselves at. I've had patients who tell me, well, you know, my obstetrician is going to be on call this weekend. So since I want my obstetrician, I want them to induce my labor because mm-hmm. I don't want any other obstetrician. I want mine. Yeah. So we're going to induce labor, you know, this weekend just to make sure that I get it. I get him. And, you know, I tried to explain, but, you know, it's not up to your obstetrician when your baby's born. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It uh, don't get me wrong, please, and I want to make your audience realize this: cesarean sections and inductions absolutely have a medical place. There are absolute times when they're indicated. Mm-hmm. Okay, if the baby is in distress, absolutely, cesarean this can be, be life-saving for them. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. I am not saying that C-sections are bad or not needed or Mm -hmm. or should be avoided. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. What I am saying is instead, allow the baby to start the process of coming into the world. Because when you bypass all of the baby's cues that I'm ready to come, that's when more and more medical interventions have to be implemented. So I know for myself
0: that that was a big like I felt so much guilt afterwards mm-hmm. because I was like I wanted to do it natural I wanted to have all these things but because the pregnancy itself was so oh there's a fear here up oh, I was I had like 3 hospital stays during my pregnancy mm-hmm. and I was just like I'm so scared of losing this baby it made me abandon what I deeply wanted for my experience and i think due to my experience i'll i'll never try to have another child like this is we're done zip it up like <laughs> and you know who knows maybe that was why I, why that needed to happen they were like you're going to have a handful with this one so like we're good to go but in cases of a miscarriage that was something that i was so afraid of i wouldn't let my get get excited we didn't even announce that we were pregnant until i was 6 months pregnant cuz i was like i just don't want to have to experience this thing publicly you know, from a spiritual perspective, what do you see that shows up there on the purpose or the reason why that ends up happening?
1: So on an energetic level, what usually happens when a woman has a miscarriage is that the sperm and egg have been, you know, the egg is fertilized, it has its journey to the womb, and it starts to have its divisions But what is absent is that etheric layer. Hmm. So in an energetic sense, that's what's happening. So I I would call it maybe physiologic, energetic type of situation. The etheric layer is absent. Therefore, further development of that embryo can't happen. Hmm. Okay. Now, as for the reason why, That might occur that's kind of difficult to say it it again goes back to contracts it goes back to what you're supposed to learn from this or Hmm. how do you take that experience and expand in love Hmm. okay and that's so individual right so it's it's very very difficult to address that sort of phenomena in a broad sense because Mm -hmm. it's very individual what did this person go through as a result of this miscarriage Mm -hmm. did they come through it with some type of expansion for themselves and for the universe Mm -hmm. so upon conception does that mean if they don't
0: have an etheric layer they don't have a soul yes Okay, so is that an individual basis or is that upon a certain amount of days or do the soul say, oh
1: no, I don't want to come into these parents or? By the time the egg is implanted. So that's usually around day seven after fertilization. Mm-hmm. About day seven, if that embryo, that zygote, it's called a zygote. If that zygote does not have an etheric layer attached to it, then there's no incoming soul. Hmm. So what defines the etheric layer? Like what, the, etheric, but- the, the etheric layer is the physical, the closest layer to the human body mm-hmm. um, that's, that's composed of a matrix of energy. And this matrix of energy actually has the imprint of all previous lives as well.
0: Hmm. Okay. So if someone were, you know, had gone through three or four miscarriages in in each of these cases is it then this is a hard question. Oh man. Yeah. Sorry, like I'm really putting you on the spot here, but is yeah, is it then a- the responsibility of the carrier that there's no etheric layer that's being produced? Cuz I, obviously I don't want anybody to carry more guilt and be like it's my fault, you know, like whatever. <laughs> how does how does that work into that theory?
1: Okay. So again, it's something where again, we go back to how the mother and child or parent and child relationship is the most pivotal in your life. Mm -hmm. It's the most opportunity for growth in love. So depending on what kind of contracts, agreements happen in the afterlife or before life, however you want to call it, that's what will determine this phenomenon. Now, if there is no etheric layer essentially, it's that there is no incoming soul for that person. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want it to make it sound that you know harsh, but that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in other words, maybe physiologically, this woman can conceive and her eggs can be fertilized, she can become pregnant but as far as carrying that birth it's just there is no soul that's meant to be Mm. the child this is
2: this is a hard topic
0: and i i applaud you for taking it on because i know the, and I'll make sure to do a, a previous like trigger warning for those who are listening, obviously, but yeah. we're, we're dealing in hard subjects. This is why we yeah. do this show and trying to understand the spiritual contextual implications of what it means to produce souls and and bring them into this earth very much. So to me, that makes sense. It's a hard reality to look at our hard theory to, to, to conceptualize, but very much so. I know that there's a, a few friends of mine who deal in infertility. Not a few. I have a lot of people that I know that have dealt with that very much so. And I had a guilt because like, I've been told almost my whole life because you have PCOS, because you have fibroids, because you have endometriosis or whatever, like pff, not for you, not you, it's not going to happen with you. And so when it did, and the story's crazy, my listeners though, I'll tell you later, but the story itself is insane because we got pregnant on the first try. And immediately I knew immediately when it happened, I was <laughs> shooting a wedding somewhere. And I was walking across the, from, I don't know, bride's room or something across the reception floor. And I placed my hand on my stomach and I I hadn't thought about it like that or whatever. I was just walking and I was walking like this, you know, like with my hands pressed against my stomach, just walking and it didn't occur to me. until after I'd finished whatever, like I got to the next room I was going to, and I was like, why the fuck did I do that? That's what pregnant people do. They put their hands there, just not even thinking about it. It's something that just naturally happens.
1: And I was like, oh shit, am I pregnant? <laughs> you know, did like, you, did you, did you do that because you felt a different energy? I don't know. Like, and I mean, I
0: imagine, I'm an intuitive as well. I would imagine that's something right. that naturally just kind sure. of started to happen, but it was maybe it's so funny how it happened because then a couple of days, not a couple of days later, the next day, my sense of smell was so insane and my friend goes, you're pregnant. And I was like, shut up. Like, I'm not pregnant. And she was like, you're pregnant. Because I literally told her the story of like um, me and my partner making a very concerted decision that we were going to try this one time. And if it didn't happen, then I wasn't going to worry about it. I'm not going to freak myself out. I'm not going to go through all the hardship and stuff that I, I've, I've witnessed that a lot of people go through with having that feeling of loss. And then as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know? And then when we got our pregnancy test, I was still in that like disbelief, you know, anyway, so all that whole story for there was this guilt I felt because it was like, I know so many people try and so many people try over and over and over. And then they don't have that. And knowing that like, I didn't, I never put much impetus on it. I never put it much importance on it. I was like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I was like, you know, lollygag, whatever. And so when we made that intention and it happened so fast, the sickness that came behind that, I felt ill, like death, like okay. I, I don't. I don't know how anybody does this twice. And so a girlfriend of mine saying, "Ooh, that's so waiting wait." For you two yeah. to get together, me and my partner had only been together for uh, six weeks at that point. Can
1: I and, ask you? Can yeah. I Ask you. Did you have any visitations of your of your baby? Beta? I don't. Yeah. Um. I don't know. What
0: happened was we'll just talk, you know, like everybody probably knows the story. They've heard it. But the thing that happened was, is that I had a dream about my partner before I met him. And so it was six, about six months before I met him. So then once I met him, I was like, boom, we know this is, we have past life in Egypt. We have all this, whatever. So when he asked me, you know, we had a scare prior to us actually getting pregnant. And he said, "Uh, what would you name it? I said, i never let myself think about it. He's like, what about Cairo? That's where we had our past life. And I was like, what? (laughs) So then when a few weeks passed by and he was like, well, you have all these kind of issues. And we were talking about some friends of mine that I felt really bad for that were going through it with their infertility. And he says, you know, do you think we should try And I was like, I don't know. I think I'm just looking for a sign. And I was scrolling through my Instagram and I clicked on Tia Mowry's Instagram for God knows what reason and clicked through one random post. And on the post, it said something about, I was way pregnant with Cairo. And it just like plain as day. It was so weird. Wow. And so to me, that was the visitation. That was her being like, I'm coming, like, let's go. <laughs> Here's the sign. Oh, nice. And him being like, You gotta follow that. Like you tell all your followers to listen to the signs. And here we go. So that that's kind of in short the story of how that happened. So when it did happen, I said, We'll try one time. And if it happens, we know it meant to be. We know the soul's supposed to be here. But if it doesn't, we're not gonna don't even try for another year or anything like that. I don't want to hear about it, you know? So when she came in, she knew that that was her opportunity <laughs> to come through in that way. And it happened so fast that for me, it really cemented my idea or belief that if there is someone who's trying to come in, they're going to come in. So us trying to force and this and do this and these means and like, yeah, like, I'm not saying that there's any problem with anybody doing external means to, in order to produce a child. It's just that like, I saw so much heartache around it. I didn't want anything to do with it. I don't want to have that feeling. And then also experiencing other people who have had dealt with a lot of miscarriage. My cousin had a miscarriage at six months, seven months almost. (sighs) And watching that happen, it was, I just said, I don't want any part of that kind of heartache in my life. So I'm very lucky so far to not have experienced anything like that. But I just wonder about what that looks like for a soul making this assignment. Well, you talked about contracts and that being a very pivotal part of why we experience a lot of this heartache and hardship around fertility specifically. But what do you think is the reasoning behind, you know, certain souls going, why do they make choices to go to particular parents? I know that like, we have the short answer of, advancement and growth and love or whatever, but there are plenty of people who then will probably feel triggered by the idea that they chose their very toxic abusive parents. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, things like that. Can you speak
1: on that? Yeah. It is difficult to address it because it's kind of hard to well, you know, like you have starving kids in some countries and it's like how could you, you know, how could this soul have chosen to have such, you know, trials and tribulations and such a difficult life. And I know it is the short answer, but you know, there's so many, there's dynamics that happen between souls. It could be something where it's what I call the sacrificial types of development and sacrificial development is something that's, it's difficult to understand, but it's something where the soul themselves kind of forsakes themselves for the other entity to grow Hmm. to expand there's also a dynamic spiritually that i call just balancing and balancing is kind of similar to karma Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: it's a negative imprint on your soul where you have to work this out Mm -hmm. and the working out part can have you the parent child relationship included in this working out yeah so these are dynamics that you know we have no control over it's something that within our beings we have these imprints these charges whether it be negative positive that we sometimes just have to work out Mm -hmm. and you know nobody has the script to their lives only our creator you know And so it's difficult. It's a difficult conversation, like you said, and nobody has the finite answer.
2: Mm, Yeah.
1: Because again, we all forget ourselves. So it's something that's difficult. Sometimes we have just a difficult road and difficult circumstances that we just have to do our best to emerge from Mm. and learn and expand. That's the best we can do. Yeah. So what about us as parents? Like now we've got this little being that's come in all
0: pure and and whatever, and then they come in and they start spouting off no and doing whatever. <laughs> like, how how do we best cultivate our, a spiritual relationship with our children, uh, our souls, our teachers, even? How do we best cultivate that in a
1: way where we are putting them in a place best ripe for their own spiritual growth? Yeah, yeah. So what what's the ultimate goal for our children, right? It's mm-hmm. to for them to become their most authentic selves, for them to be as aligned as possible to their true nature, to what they're here for. And the best way to do that is basically the teachings of the chakras, right? So, you know, we go through the chakras. We have the root chakra that deals with everything that's physical, issues of safety and security and their connection with the aura of the earth. So we teach them things like, you know, to respect the earth and know that you are loved and safe here in our home, in our world. The second chakra deals with one-on-one relationships. So what's the first relationship your baby has? It's with their primary caregiver. It's with their parent. Actually, whether it's the parent or not, it could be a grandparent, it could right, be a, right. a, an aunt, or but uh, that's the chakra that deals with that one-on-one relationship, the sacrum. Then you have your solar plexus. And this is the one that I talk a lot about because the solar plexus deals with issues of self-worth, self-esteem, self-image. And think about how difficult that is for children now with social media, Ooh, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, people who use social media, Instagram, you know, they'll put their best lives out there. And our, you know, our young children are looking at this and comparing themselves and saying, you know, I don't have this, something must be wrong with me. Yeah. And so we just recently got those statistics from Facebook or Instagram that said that uh, teenage girls are... committing suicide at an alarming rate now Mm. because of social media. And so the solar plexus is a truth that we could teach our children in terms of you are worthy. Don't look at that other stuff. You are perfect the way you are. So important. I'm
0: going to touch on that one real quick because something I, I recognize is, you know, like body image, right? We all have a thing with our body. And I thought if I'm raising a girl in this world, I need to be very careful about the way I talk about my body around her now, even though she can't talk, like she starts to observe, she's still watching me. And I thought like, she's the thickest thighs I've ever seen in my life, these chunky rolls. And I'm just obsessed with them. And I thought, why do not, I don't give myself that kind of love I made this joke of you know people who were seeing pictures of her. Oh my god, look at this thigh! You know, like why aren't people going? Oh my god, your thigh! You know, yes. <laughs> I probably wouldn't want that attention, <laughs> but I'm thinking, why don't I give myself that same grace? Why is it that a thick thigh looks great on a baby but not on an adult? You know, it's just like this weird disconnect we have with our body. And I thought, okay, this is something I really want to be present with because. She will be following my example. I followed my mom's example and like, I need to shape up my own solar plexus. I'm going to be in a space where I facilitate an environment
1: where she's going to feel accepted by herself. So you could see how important that is. So important. Okay. Continue. Absolutely. (laughs) And let me tell you, they're watching you from as much younger than you think they are. Mm Mm-hmm and listening to your words, you could be on the phone with somebody else and they're listening. Mm -hmm. So very important. So the heart chakra we go to and the heart chakra talks about, of course, love and forgiveness, that they're worthy of unconditional love. Absolutely. And that the importance of forgiving others, but also the importance of forgiving themselves. Yeah. Then we move to the throat chakra. I know that's your favorite one. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the throat chakra has everything to do with expression, will. And it's also the bridge between intellect and heart. So it's important in terms of having your child know that they are heard. Mm -hmm. They are heard and they are worthy. What they have to say, their expression of themselves is worthy. And we move to the brow chakra. The brow chakra has everything to do with clarity, insights, mental processes. So what, what do we teach our children from there? We teach them how once they visualize something, that they can accomplish anything that they put their mind to, what, once they put their intent, that the whole uh, manifestation. Mm -hmm. and how they can absolutely create their future from intent and love. And then lastly, it's the teachings of the crown chakra. What does that teach us? That teaches us how we are all connected to a higher consciousness and the importance of knowing that we are not walking this earth alone. We are connected through all of the electron fields the waves we are all connected to each other as a matter of fact i read an article recently how the right brain is the brain that sees everything in that spiritual sense it sees things in the fluid nature that we exist in Mm. and then the left brain is the brain that puts it all together And puts it to a solid structure.
0: So in the the structures of all the chakras and the ways in which we can be like more present with our children and how we can facilitate a better awareness for them as they are trying to learn how to be people (laughs) in earth school. What are, I know this is individual for everybody, but do you see in your kind of more spiritual mediumistic type of work that children who are coming in that they see themselves as teachers
1: are they like i'm gonna go teach my parents this or you know what i mean like is that what's that like oh i'm glad you brought this up okay so um right now well actually since the 19 i want to say the 1950s there have been the incarnation of more and more developed souls or souls that have brought forth a contract of specifically to better this world. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've heard about the indigo children. Yeah, let's talk about it because people might not know what that is. So we have the indigo children, we have the crystal children, and we have the rainbow children. Mm -hmm. The indigo children were born between the 1950s and 1980s. And these are the children, they're adults now but these were the children that are the movers and shakers. They were the ones who were born to move us along and break down institutions and ways of thinking. And they are sort of rebellious, but they're very, very sensitive and they're spiritual. And in their lifetime, they have in some way, shape or form done something to heighten the love or heighten the changes. I identify as an indigo as well. Indigo children also, what's difficult for them is sometimes because they're so sensitive, they have issues with um, substance abuse even, Mm. and they find it difficult to understand why is it that, you know, people could be so cruel to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a deep love for animals and things of nature. Now, if we want to talk about the crystal children, the crystal children, oh, by the way, the reason why they're called indigos is because their aura is primarily indigo.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, For the crystal children, their aura is mostly like this opalescent, iridescent color. Mm -hmm. And as their name implies, they love crystals between the 1980s and 90s. And their role is to basically pick up from where the indigos left off. So the indigos, you know, tore down certain structures that weren't serving the greater consciousness. And now the crystal children were born to just insert more love. So more loving consciousness toward the environmental issues surrounding, you know, betterment of of animals. Hmm. So that's the crystal children, the rainbow children. And by the way, indigo children have a negative imprint in terms of karma, which is why they agreed to come to this earth and do this type of work. Hmm. So they have, it's like they're indebted and their primary goal is to work out this negative karmic debt because they knew they were going to have a hard life. A lot of indigos have a very, very rough upbringing. Hmm. Okay, Um, I myself included Mm -hmm. but um, do crystal children have any of that kind of not as much Mm -hmm. not as much as uh, the indigos so crystal children again they pick up where the indigos left off a lot of humanitarian work very 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 spiritual Mm. love crystals and they are working toward changing the collective consciousness as well Mm. and we go toward the Rainbow children that were born in the 2000s end up rainbow children I mean it's a fairly new thing so we don't know a lot about them but rainbow children were never incarnated in earth so they don't have a negative karma they don't have any karma they may have been incarnated in other planets uh, other dimensions of consciousness but they have no negative karma for earth. How does it work
0: with uh, people that talk about soul families and that you're coming back or whatever? If my child was a rainbow Mm -hmm. kid, I had a past life regressionist tell me that me and her had military.
1: She was my little brother or something at some point, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible that you have maybe a crystal child as well. Hmm. Rainbow children, they are exceptionally intuitive psychic they have a rainbow aura Mm -hmm. as it's described and again there's not a lot known about them but Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of them born at this time Mm -hmm. and they are absolutely trying to pivot this earth into a much more positive uh world is this the kind of the waves
0: of consciousness or waves of volunteers that come in the doors Cannon talks about yes okay yes I was wondering about that. There's this idea about the souls coming in in these particular waves for different vibratory reasons, consciousness yeah. reasons, elevation reasons. And we can kind of see it now, like the things that are mainstream today that were not mainstream even just 10 years ago, it's rapidly changing in in, in a crazy way. The way we even talk about this is if this is like, just known, you know, this is normal. Like, <laughs> whereas like even five years ago would have been something people have been like, what, you know, like not something that's, kosher or cool um so yeah so that's that's really interesting because i have this insane amount of crystals in my <laughs> house
1: <laughs> when i'm um, to you i thought of you immediately as a crystal child oh man like i'm
0: so drawn to them i don't know why what is the correlation between if you know what is the correlation between is it an earth thing connecting to the earth materials or like what it, why is there such an
1: obsession with the i have i can't stop myself i got new crystals yesterday i think it's because you recognize the vibratory element of these materials Mm. you you can resonate with them you sense it you know on a vibratory level how Mm. they can enrich your own essence Mm. and how they can bolster certain things to happen or facilitate certain states of consciousness
0: yeah absolutely
1: absolutely I use those in my dream life and when I'm meditating and
0: all kinds of stuff. And they work quite great. So in the teacher aspect, if a child is coming in and they're, you know, rainbow, crystal, indigo, doesn't matter if they come in anyway, are there souls then that come in who aren't a part of those declinations? Like, are there people who are just like, I'm just here to be here and I'm cool. Are there also like, what do they call them? skinwalkers I think was the name it sounds really creepy <laughs> people who don't come in with purpose the people that come in to just kind of you know
1: filler for the matrix or anything like that I think everybody comes here to add to like I said the collective consciousness and to um, move in the direction of expansion that's why we come here mm. that's the reason why we come here it's all in the name of love as corny as that sounds it's something to expand in love it's a
0: and and i'm totally in agreement with you but i'm going to be a
1: devil's advocate
0: for the people who are who come in with a very open willingness to hate Hmm. obviously we come in and we forget what our whole deal is or whatever we have to figure out what that is and what that looks like but for those people who we can very clearly see man you just you fucked up like (laughs) It's just this element of service to self that we just don't give two Fs about anybody else. It could be argued that those souls are not here to come in to love or
1: learn how to expand. It's maybe they came in and lost their way. What's your uh, take on that? I would then ask, where did this come from? So is it something that while they were growing up, were they exposed to something that knocked them off their path? Hmm. Was it something that, and you know, just going back to child rearing, I'll give you an example. If the parents, let's say, have an exceptionally sensitive child, let's say, but they raise them like, oh, you need to toughen up, stop being, you know, this, that, or the other, or you need to be this when this person is so clearly something else. Mm you know, that could foster a lot of anger and a lot of just a sense of not knowing who they truly are.
2: Mm.
1: And yeah, I believe that when people have this hatred, or they have this, you know, whether it's resentment, envy, you know, we go back to those teachings, a lot of life is an illusion. Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's an illusion. So it's like, in order for all of us to be our best selves, it's just so important to you know, look at our children as these individual souls that their one quest is to become aligned with their purpose. Hmm. And so again, I see people who are like what you said, hate, hateful and just mean or just not good. I really get the sense that this is something where something went wrong along the way. Mm -hmm. They were knocked off their path and the reason why they're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: that's such a hard, it's a hard thing to watch. Oh, yeah. And particularly, it's a hard thing when you see parents cultivating that kind of reality for their new souls coming in Mm -hmm. so we have such a deep responsibility you know the child is not here to love us The child is here to expand love and yes I would imagine it would be nice to have a child that loves you I, I know I prayed for that. I was like, please let us be close. Like, let it be like where we have a really wonderful bonded relationship. But I was also very aware that whoever she's coming in as, first of all, she got this strong ass energy, like just, mm-hmm. she will be a pill that, <laughs> I say pill, but she'll, she'll have her own mind. And I believe she chose me because she knew that I would say, that's okay. It's okay to have your own mind. I might not like, this or that but like i'm gonna let you have this experience because i understand at least i say now as she's a newborn that may change when she's a teenager and i'm like no you cannot go out and <laughs> with the responsibility that i hold and the heaviness the weight i should say of that responsibility to cultivate that kind of soul that can come in and have that expansion let them have that experience. So um, we're going to talk a little bit deeper about that specifically on our Patreon. Thank you, first of all, for taking on such a challenging thing for people to talk about. And those of you guys listening,
1: I really hope that that helped you. First, can you tell people where they can find your book and then where they can find you? My book is available on amazon.com and other book outlets. And you can find me at intuitivenurturing.com. Mm -hmm. as well as Christine dot rncom
0: Perfect. Well,
1: make sure to check out her book, A
0: Journey Into Being, Knowing and Nurturing Our Children, Esprit. And thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to continue this conversation over at patreon.com slash the lovely If you become a Patreon member, you can hear the rest of this interview. And hopefully you love this so much that you will send it to someone you love. We will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at the to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.